Well, if you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and open to the Gospel of Mark? Just checking to make sure you're awake. Mark, chapter, oh, that's a little, what chapter are we in? Ten. All right, there we go. Good, good. Mark, chapter ten. And uh, if you're new here with us today, what we are doing right now, we're in this season of looking at the Gospel of Mark, and I'm asking or inviting folks to read a chapter every day of the week. So this past week, it was to read chapter 10 every day and just kind of wrestle with it, see what God does. If you uh, have a Bible app, a lot of times it'll read it to you. If you're not a big reader, you can have it read to you while you're driving to work or whatever, and just have your questions come up. Um, and then I promise on my part to preach from somewhere in that chapter that next Sunday. So you've been reading chapter 10, and, uh, and this week we'll do that. So starting today, you start reading chapter... 11. That's right. Read it every day. And next Sunday, we'll be preaching from somewhere in that time. So, Ian, I'll have you click through while we're reading the scripture. It's on the screen behind me. You can open your Bibles. Uh, What page is that in the Pew Bible? There's a 961. 960. All right. We're going to be at verse 46. All right. So open your Bibles to 960. Look at the big... 691, 691, 960, you're in Revelation, I'm sure. All right, we're not there today. All right, Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. Hear the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as written to us by Mark. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and preaching of his gospel. Father, we're thankful for this story of your son, our Messiah, our Savior, the one who brings the kingdom. But just as Mark has been telling us all through this gospel so often, We think we have in mind what it's all about. And Jesus continually shows us that our version of the kingdom is not His version. So help us to see. Help us to hear Him announce the kingdom. For we pray all of this through Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. In just a second, you're going to see something. I know, uh, I know it's kind of hard for us sometimes when we hear these miracle stories. Uh, they're great stories, aren't they? Just remember that Mark is always says, or shows us that when Jesus heals somebody, it's not just about feeling compassion for somebody who's blind or deaf or mute or has leprosy, although it includes that. Jesus was very compassionate, right? But Jesus' healings always signify something deeper at work, that Jesus wants His disciples, you and me, to understand and hear more clearly. So I just thought to get us into what this must be like, we're about to see a video of this man. He's 66 years old. He's a bodybuilder. Tough guy. He's been colorblind all his life. And his family, for his birthday, purchased some glasses. I guess they're called Enchroma. They went in together, and he's about to see color for the first time. He has no idea what it's about to happen. So let's let's watch this, shall we, for just a second. Put them on. Put them on. Put them on. Can you see with our eyes now, baby? Can you, what colors you see? Those. You see colors now? Oh, the trees are neat. <laughs> 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 now you have rose colored glasses, baby. <laughs> Now you see with our eyes. Do you like the balloons? Turn around. What about the flowers on the house? like brighter mud. Who did Got plenty of Kleenex up here at the front. What a beautiful, beautiful thing for someone to receive and be able to see for the first time. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe these have already made their rounds on YouTube or Facebook. I saw it for the first time yesterday. I just sat there on the couch just bawling. Because I kept hearing what the person behind the camera said, now you can see with our eyes. You can see with our eyes. And I thought, what if there was a way for the church to put on a pair of glasses that helped us to see 
with the eyes of Christ, with the eyes of the one who so loved. It, it just amazed me to be able to see this, and I began to wonder. It just I felt like it helped us begin to enter into the tenor of this story, this good news about Jesus, where, where a guy who's been blind all his life gets to see. We have to, we have to just have this little scholarly moment, if that's okay, uh, as, as we kind of jump into this passage. We see one of the first things that we hear is that this took place in Jericho. Now, if you were a good Jew, you would know something significant about Jericho. If you've been around the church at all, in Jer- uh, uh, you would know about Jericho, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. We marched, the whole people marched around the city for seven days, one time, and then on the seventh day, they marched seven times. And And they shouted at this fortified city and the walls fell flat and Israel won the day. That's a great story. Your kids are learning about that in children's church and Sunday school and those kinds of things. Uh, It's a great story. But what we need to pull out of this is that was the beginning of Israel's conquest for the kingdom of God in their day. So Jesus is there. Why? Because that's the place where the kingdom of God begins. And he's there to announce that this is now the kingdom of God. And it's going to, like Mark has always done, it's going to look entirely different from the way you expect it to be. And just like Israel in its day kind of got it and then didn't get it, they'd have a great victory and then they'd have a great defeat. They just kind of waffled back and forth. So we see with the disciples, these 12 who are at the beginning of this conquest of forgiving love, and they missed the mark entirely. The, the, the tribes of his day, of Jesus' day, represented by the disciples, they miss the point altogether. If you don't believe me, look at Mark chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. All of a sudden, Jesus has, has, is talking about His kingdom. He's talking about what this kingdom looks like. He says, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be betrayed, and I must suffer, and I will ultimately be handed over to the Gentiles, and I will be killed, but on the third day I will rise again. What Jesus, in essence, was saying is the kingdom of God, this kingdom that is beginning again at Jericho. We've gone back to the beginning, but this time the kingdom is going to be entirely different. This kingdom of God will not participate with nor will it fight political or religious powers with vengeance, but will show the power of God's co-suffering, forgiving love for all. For those who are suffering, they need someone who will suffer with them, and we see this on the cross. For those who wonder about power, what is more powerful, to take up the sword and defeat an enemy or to, uh, to forgive the enemy that is killing you on a cross? What power we see of forgiving, co-suffering love. And this is what my kingdom is about. This is what Jesus is saying when he is talking to his disciples alone. This is what it is. But they entirely miss the point because right the very next verse Verse 35, James and John prove they don't get it. What do they do? They go to Jesus. And Jesus asks them a question, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, when you're in your glory, in your power, we want to sit at your right and your left. We want to be made great. 
Jesus told it, this is what my kingdom is about. It is about forgiving and co-suffering love and being a servant. He goes on to tell them that this is something different. In fact, he says, don't be like that. He said, the ones that are not a part of the kingdom, they are the ones that are all about gaining power and lording it over those who have less power than you do. That's the way they operate. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, you can read this uh, in 35 through 45. I'm just paraphrasing for you. You must become a servant. Because the Son of Man, Jesus is referring to Himself, drawing a powerful metaphor from the prophets, the humane leader of Daniel chapter 7. He says, the Son of Man has come to serve Not to be served. So my kingdom, if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, it is a kingdom of servants. Not a kingdom of soldiers. You have to get this into your mindset if you want to follow Jesus. And His disciples, the tribes, and guess what? That's the church too. They're our representatives. We miss this point over and over and over and over again. So Jesus takes a blind man because his disciples are running around blind to what the kingdom is all about. He takes a blind man so that you and I, his disciples and we, can see that we are blind and in need of healing. How do we see this? Well, Jesus asked the same question twice to two different groups. First, he asked James and John, What do you want me to do for you? They say, make us great. Make us awesome. When you are on the throne, we want to be at your right and left. That's the positions of power. That's where we want to be. He asked the blind man, what do you want me to do? And the blind man says, I want to see. I want to see. He acknowledges his own blindness to the only one who can bring sight. He says, I know I need to see. I know that I'm blind. I know that I missed the point. I need to see. I want to see. And it is Jesus then who says, go. Your faith has healed you. And we see it's interesting. He's glad for the healing, but he disobeys the go. He gets up and he follows Jesus on the road. My brothers and my sisters, this is our story. This is our story. This is your story. This is my story. We constantly fall into the trap of greatness. And we constantly allow our prayers to be about making us great. Oh, it looks so nice. It does. It gets dressed up in all sorts of ways. Oh, we want to be great again. We want to run 450 and 500 again. And we say, because we want people to hear the gospel. But the truth is, somewhere down deep in there is, we want to be a part of a movement that's great and big and powerful and strong. And Jesus says, but my kingdom is a kingdom of servants. If you want to be the greatest, you must be the least. We don't want to hear that in our day and age. We are consumed with greatness. And Jesus said it's the biggest trap on planet Earth. That if you want to be great in the kingdom, 
You have to learn how to serve. I don't know how much clearer I can say of that to my brothers and sisters, to you and to me. We are called to be a group of people that go and serve in the name of Jesus. And only that shows that we are a part of His kingdom. It doesn't matter if there are three of us gathered or 3,000 of us gathered. If that is not the goal, then we have fallen for the trap of worldly greatness. And that's hard. It's hard to break. It is ingrained in you. It is ingrained in me. You don't go and play a football game to serve the other team, do you? I hope the Steelers don't, do, don't serve the Vikings today, you know? It is from the very fabric, from the very day we are born, we enter into this competitive, we have to be great. And Jesus said it's the biggest trap. Let it go. If you want to be a part of the kingdom, if you want to be a part of what God wants to do in the world, if you want to be a part of the way that God has set up the universe to work, it is a call to serving. Serving even to the point of suffering. Suffering even to the point of death. Trusting that God is the God who brings life out of death. Who can resurrect you from any situation. And bring life back into whatever that situation looks like. That's the hope of Christianity. It looks like this. So the prayer of a church that claims to follow Jesus can never, ever, ever, ever be make us great. It must always be help us see. So if that's true for the church, that's true for the individual Christians within the church. Our prayer can never be make us great. Our prayer must always be help us see. I need to see. I need my eyes opened. I need to be able to see what you're up to in the world so that I can participate with it. That is what the church is called to be about and to do. I want to give you an example of someone who needed to see. This is Inquan. Jeon Siok and David Kim. They're missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene in Tonga. The mission was not started by them. They came later. It was originally started uh, by Doc and Charmaine Olds. And they came to Tonga, and one of the things that they realized about Tonga was there was something that was going on in the culture there. That whenever anyone was born with a disability... That was seen as a punishment from God. Either the parents had done something wrong or somehow that child, I guess in utero, had done something wrong, had sinned, and this was God's punishment. And so a person in Tonga born with a disability never, ever left the room that they were born in. They stayed in that room. It was their parents' shame. If they had a parent or a mother, most likely, that was still loving towards them, that was the only way they received food, they received changing, they received whatever they need. That child will never see the light of day except through a window. And Doc and Charmaine said, no, 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 this isn't the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God sees folks like that as hidden treasures, and so they named their ministry the Hidden Treasures. And they began to go into homes and seek out homes that had folks with disability simply to go and visit them, to share with them the good news, not of reading. I mean, these were folks, some who couldn't hear, some who couldn't see, some who didn't have the intelligence to understand reading or interact, but to go and to wash and to help, to give a parent a moment to go and do something else outside of that room while that child was being taken care of. Or that adult that was being taken care of. Well, it came time for them to retire. And they were worried that this ministry would not bring anyone. And so the regional director of the time, Harman Schmelzenbach, uh, put out the, the word saying, we need someone to take over this ministry. And Inquan heard the call. Harman tells the story like this. He saw it, went to the airport to pick up Inquan. And uh, Inquan got off the plane. Now, this is before everybody had a high-definition video camera on their phone. He came with one of those big old cameras. Do you remember those? Recording cameras. And Harmon says, oh, I'm not so sure about this guy. I'm, I'm not sure this is the, uh, the, the kind of person that's going to get this. And they did some talking, they did some training, and they decided we're going to go around to some of the homes just to see how Inquan interacts with people. And, the, and they went to a couple of homes and, and they saw these very humble situations and, and, and uh, Inquan was in there and he was videotaping some and, and he was trying to see what the interactions were between uh, Doc and Charmaine and the folks. He was trying to get a sense of what they were doing in this ministry. And they were about to leave and they said, we have one more. And I just want to warn you up front that this one, this one is the worst of the worst for us. And they went and they, they pulled up in front of this very, very humble shack in, on this island nation of Tonga. And, and they, they saw it and, and they were starting to walk up through and, and, and the old said, no, it's not this one. It's actually the one behind. And he said, as he walked around the corner, the smell hit you in the face. As you saw a lean-to against a fence with a little blanket draped across, and inside that blanket were twins that had been born 30 years ago, so, uh, so handicapped that they had lived their entire life in the shanty. And it smelled, and it stank, and the floor was muddy and dirty because it had just rained, and these men just lay there in the midst of it because of the shame that it would bring upon their family. And Harmon said, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And there was Inquan. And he handed me the video camera. And I proceeded to watch Inquan go over and get down in the dirt and the mud with these men so that he could be eye level with them and say to them, he began to stroke their hair and he began to speak tenderly to them in his Korean language that he knew they didn't understand, but he just wanted them to know that there was someone who understood and cared and was glad to be in their presence. And it was there, Harmon smells and boss said, I felt the Lord say that is the person to take this over. That's the person who sees my kingdom. That's the person who gets it. That's the person who's been given the glasses so that all of a sudden everything appears clear and he can do that. And he asked in Quan and they were talking and he said, when we walked into that shanty, 
I saw Jesus laying on the floor in those two men. I couldn't help but go to him. I couldn't help but speak tenderly to him. And Inquan to this day is still serving there in this ministry in Tonga. You can see there that they, uh, they go and they read. They uh, go into humble situations. They go into better situations. They have moved on. They are now bringing rehabilitative therapy uh, to those who are struggling. God has blessed the ministry and they are beginning to do more about that. They also give computer classes to those with disabilities so that they can maybe find work online and do some things along those lines to help their self-esteem. They do braille classes for those who were born blind. They do... They are now upgrading and rehabbing homes so that people in those homes with disabilities have access and can get around and do these things. They do a family camp every year for folks with disabilities just so they can get out of the home. They can be out in the beautiful places that Tonga is. I mean, this is a South Pacific island. Think Hawaii. They've never seen it. They get to be out, they get fed, they get taken care of, they get to see these things, and they travel around looking for homes where they can continue to find Jesus laying in the mud. My brothers and my sisters, that is greatness according to the kingdom of God. And I know that scares some of us. Because we think, I could never do that. You know what? I think Enquan would say the same thing. You can't do that until your prayer is right. And your prayer can't be make me great. The prayer that all of us have to pray is help me to see. Because I don't see. And even if I think I see, I'm still blind. I miss your kingdom because I'm consumed with the trap of greatness. So what do we do? Brothers and sisters, we have to become a church that asks, help me to see. And once we think we have a clue of what it means to see, then we actually go and become a group of servants. If you want anything more than that, I want you to know, with all the love in my heart, this is not the church for you. Because it's time for us to stop talking about information of Jesus and to ask Jesus to help us see so that we can actually go and do what the church was called to do, and that is to serve. I've been saying it for nine years. I can't say it any clearer. We are not a kingdom of God church unless we are serving those around us and looking to the least, not the greatest. If you want to be a part of that church, that's the church that Jesus says is my kingdom. So I don't know. I don't have a plan. This isn't Pastor Jeff rolling out some great plan of how we're going to serve. But this is Pastor Jeff as your pastor saying to himself as much as I'm saying to you that today we need to pray that we could see. We need to wrestle and grapple with the fact that we are blind to the ways of the kingdom. That so often we do not look like the one we claim to follow. The one we claim as Lord and Savior. And today is the day, my friends, where we are called to pray. Are you ready? 
Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. Lori's going to come and play play and sing an old song. It's in the hymnal. Simply says, Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch Him, to say we love Him. Open our ears and help us to listen. So as she begins to sing, I'm going to invite us all to stand. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I know it's five after lunch. And I know I I had planned to take the offering early and I forgot. But brothers and sisters, today Jesus asked the question of us, what do you want me to do for you? Are we going to stay stuck in the trap and say, I want you to make us great? Or are we willing to reach out and maybe come and kneel at an altar or in front of a pew and simply pray the prayer, Oh God, I want to see. I want to see. So as Lori starts singing, I'm going to invite you as brothers and sisters, as ones who claim to follow the Jesus who said, I am about, I have come to serve, not to be served. Would you come? Would you be willing to come and pray at an altar or front? If the the altar fills up, you can just fill in at a pew. If that's you and you say, I have realized today that I have been caught in a trap and I need to pray the prayer that I don't see. I need to ask Jesus to help me see. Would you come? Would you come? Lori's going to sing. Would you come? Would you come? Is that your heart's cry today? To learn how to see. Maybe you'll be like that guy in the video. So excited that you're going to begin to see what Jesus is up to and what he wants to do in Kalamazoo, in Portage, and maybe call us to do around the world. What about you, brothers and sisters? This is who we claim to follow. This is the one that is Lord and Savior. He says this is the path that God has laid out for his people. This is the path that leads to eternal life. This is the path that if you're my follower, this is the path you tread. Would you come and pray? It's simple. Open my eyes. Help me to see. Young people, old people, it doesn't matter when you said you were sanctified. You need to see. You need to see. This is what Jesus calls us to. To hear his voice. To see with his eyes. And to say, I'm willing to go and serve. hard call. I know. I know it is. That's why Jesus said, few, narrow is the gate. It's so hard. She's going to sing this last time. After this, we'll pray. We'll try and take an offering. But if you know, God, I need to see, would you just come? 
you stand along the front. There's no place to kneel, but you can come and stand. Say, count me among the people who want to see. Who want to see. If that's you, you come. You come. You come. And say that we because they have sensed your Spirit's call and they realize that they have been trapped in probably the greatest trap of our culture, particularly in America, and that is the trap of greatness. And so, Lord Jesus, we are blind. So I'm so grateful that we have a story about a man who received his sight. And I am claiming in the name of Jesus that those who have come and those who have raised their hands and those who are praying the prayer right now, wherever they are, that they would receive their sight. And may this church become a church that no longer just talks about Jesus, not just gathers to worship Jesus, but goes out and worships Jesus by following Him and serving Him because we see what He wants to do in Portage, in Kalamazoo, what He wants to do in our homes, what He wants to do in our businesses, what He wants to do in our employment, what He wants to do in our schools, how He wants us to serve. And it may look like just a Bible study at a business meeting. Or it may look like In Kwan who gets down in the mud with those who are desperate to hear the love of Jesus. But we know that we are blind and we need our sight. So help us, Lord Jesus, today. Let us see. Let us see. Hear your voice. Be filled with your spirit and enabled to go and do all things in your name. For it is in that name we pray. It is in that name that we continue to ask for sight. It is in that name that we will go here in a few minutes. It's the name of Jesus, the Son of Man, who came to serve, not to be served. It's in that name we pray all of these things. Amen. And now, brothers and sisters, may you put into your mouth every morning when you wake up, Lord, I want to see. And I pray in the power of the name of Jesus that you will see just as radically as that man in the video. That no longer will people just become others, but they will become future brothers and sisters as opportunities to show the love of Jesus. 
And I pray this will happen in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Have a great, great afternoon. God bless you.